Neves Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution. A very, very good evening and welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcoury and I'm delighted to say that I have a co-presenter with me this evening and it is Debbie Roberts. How are you, Debbie? I'm fine. It's lovely to be here with you. Yeah, well, you're going to guide us through this conversation tonight. And it's a very, it's a very important topic. It affects so many people. And tonight we want to talk about adoption and adopting a child. Now, it's a process that's filled with anticipation. It's the opportunity to give a child a secure home, a child who needs a secure home. And possibly fulfilling dreams of parenthood for for those who are looking to adopt. And it's such a beautiful picture. A child needs a home and a new life, happy ever after. And there are people, parents willing um, and able to do that. But is adoption that simple? Is it positive for everybody who's involved? Or are there potential discrepancies in the process. So this week we've got some excellent guests to help us explore this subject from all angles. First up we'll be joined by Zara Phillips. Now if you don't know Zara already she's an author, professional speaker, recovery specialist, singer and performer and nationally recognised speaker on adoption as well as other issues as well and we're really delighted we'll be speaking to her in just a couple of minutes. And later in the show, we're going to talk to Ella and her mum, Debbie, who's going to they're going to tell us about their experience of of adoption and sharing some lessons that they've learned for others to consider. So, Debbie, I'm delighted. So for those of you don't know Debbie Roberts, who is a local, you're an institution in yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Legend in the own life. (laughs) Exactly. So Debbie's from Youth Connections, Hertfordshire, and she's the brains behind uh, other things, many things, but one of them is the um, mental health uh, conference that takes place. How many years has it been running now, Debbie? Actually, it feels like an institution, but this is only our second year. Is it? Yeah. It was was so well received last year. We were so delighted. So doing it again yeah uh we looked at all the feedback and people said we wanted more we wanted longer there were so many great speakers we we want to be able to see them all so this year we're doing two days fantastic so it will be saturday the 24th and sunday the 25th of november are tickets on sale yet yes yes they are great and if you're a student they're free and for parents they're 25 pounds but we have three audience that audiences that we're catering for so professionals are also catered for and very very much we encourage you to come along and we're so proud because actually Zara is going to be one of our speakers and we'll be doing some workshops at that conference. Fantastic we'll talk a little bit Mm. again about that towards the end and of course we'll have links for everything on on our parent show Facebook page so everybody can find out exactly what's going on. So let me um, jump to our first guest uh, Zara Phillips, who's here in the studio with us. How are you, Zara? I'm great. And it's, Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's really a pleasure to have you here in St. Albans and on the Parents Show. You, you didn't have too far to come, did you? Um, from New Jersey. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yes, you did. <laughs> so, Zara, tell us, like, we've, we've heard you have so many strings to your bow, but this is a subject that that you're interested in in imparting your your experience of what do you think is the least understood part about adoption or being adopted for me i think over the years as an adoptee i was always told how grateful i should be or you know i was asked aren't you lucky you should be so grateful and when i was little i would smile and nod my head because i sort of thought that's what i had to do but inside i just felt so much sadness but I never told anybody and I hid for years really what I felt because I didn't really understand what I felt so as I've been on this journey and I've got older and I've explored it and uh, learned so much about myself and heard so many other adoptees I realized that underneath all of that there's so much grief and so much loss and nobody wants to talk about that part you know, it's so much easier for people to see adoption as this wonderful thing, because in some ways it is. 
but I think this piece really has to be acknowledged because it's really hard to move forward, I found in my life, unless I healed that part of myself. And what 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 are the three things that you, you, you said, sadness, the... What other words would you describe that feeling, used to describe that feeling as sadness? Fragmentation. Really? Um, disconnection. Not feeling that I had been born, really, which sounds so crazy, but I, ne I didn't have a birth story, so I sort of felt that I plopped here on earth. Um, but I didn't understand that when I was younger. So it came out in behavior, you know, drugs, alcohol and rage. I had so much rage and it came out a lot of my adopted mother. I know there's an adopted mother here. And sadly, they do sort of become the target. And what I learned was what I was I was just pushing and pushing and pushing her all the time just to see whether she was going to still stay around and also I wanted her to know how I felt. I mean, all of this was unconscious at the time. Subconscious, not unconscious. Yeah, of course, of course. How, how could you possibly have understood that yourself? But can you tell us when you noticed, on reflection, when on you reflection, noticed it started to affect you and, and what, what the It time affected my whole life. I mean, really? as a young, I was so depressed. I didn't really know how to connect with people. And when I found drugs and alcohol, that was like my solution. But also I was sharing with Ella, who's here, you know, a young adoptee, and I love... I always love to share our experiences. You know, I couldn't stay at somebody's house. So I knew when I was younger, I could not stay the night at somebody's house. When I did, the anxiety that I had, I would literally wait. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I'd just have panic attacks and my mum would have to come and get me. Suffered really bad stomach issues, which again, I found out were common. But I didn't really know they were connected to being adopted. It was something I lived, you know, it just lived in me all the time. And do you think your your mum knew what was going on? Do you think she had an inkling of of what you were going through? She might have done, but I think the you know, I was adopted in the sixties and at that time adoptive parents were told just take your baby home treat it as your own and it won't know any difference but I know that my mum knew there was but I think it was too almost too hard for her to know what could she do yeah um, it was different a little different back then oh absolutely I could imagine there was no preparation mm -hmm. I'd say there you know the, not compared to today where I mean I know friends of mine who've been through the adoption process and the care and the attention and the effort that's that's that they go through to make sure that that child is settled in the best possible places. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I was staggered by it. I'm, I'm thinking of one example in particular of a friend of mine. And I think back then people didn't understand that babies remember everything and, and it's a trauma. So we start our lives with trauma. An adoptee does not actually know what it feels like to not have trauma in their body. And it's only now that people are beginning to to acknowledge that babies know so there's cellular memory and a lot of the acting out is without words because there were no words when the trauma happened and that was very much my experience was it was within me I could feel it all the time and is there a theory that if you do it so quickly after the baby is born that there's a chance to to heal no really it's all an illusion really a baby's grown in a mother for nine months. It knows the mother. Whether you know, p people think, oh, well, I was in the room, the baby was born. You know, it, it laid on my chest. Well, the adoptive parent is coming from a place of love and excitement. The baby is looking up going, where's my mum gone? You're a stranger. You don't smell like my mum. And brain development that happens when a baby is laid on the mother's chest I mean, it's essential, it's critical that a baby is laid on its mother's chest because, I mean, I, I don't, no, I'm not a scientist, I, don't, I, I just love to read about the brain stuff, but things start triggering, serotonin levels start firing up when the baby lays on the mother and also the baby doesn't know that they're a separate being from the mother till at least like four or five months of age. So the baby's coming from a very different place than the mother, but babies have to attach to somebody so they will appear like they're attaching because otherwise a baby knows they will die they won't survive so there is that survival instinct absolutely 
it's astounding really isn't it that 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 that's that that happens and that mm. from such a tiny tiny thing that that instinct is so strong it's so strong and i suppose for me you know i am a mother i have three children and when i became pregnant with my first child I mean, I knew straight away that this baby knew everything. And the moment that they're born, I knew the connection. You know, I'd never had that experience before. And it kind of baffles me that people don't get that babies know everything. Like, it baffles me that people are confused by that. It's like, what is there to be confused about? The baby has lived inside its mother, heard her voice. How could they not miss her? Yeah. You know, but people ask me stuff. I'm like, well, really? <laughs> and so what do you do you think adoption is something it's that it that takes a, a life long, a life to to process? It's I think there's a lifelong impact to being adopted. It's not a one time thing. And I think that is the illusion in society. They go, you were adopted as a baby. So they still call me a child. They go, you're an adopted child. I'm like, I'm actually I'm not a child anymore. I might act like one, but I'm not one. And yeah. that's um, so there is a lifelong impact in my experience. And getting older, becoming a mother highlighted the adoption experience, death of adopted parents, things that really have taken me by surprise as I've gotten older. Fear of attachment. I st I've had stuff in relationships and I still can. Now I have birth family. You know, I still feel fragmented because I never fully fit. I feel in any one family. So I've, I'm learning to manage it and live with it, if you like. Navigate it. Yeah. And, and it must be quite a conscious process on your part then, is it, to, to be navigating it? In the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, this is my story and now my story is going this way. Mm. Is, is that the case or am I... Well, my story sort of took such a weird turn in the last couple of years. You know, I, I met my birth mother in my early 20s and then I just found my birth father, which I never thought was possible. But DNA, ancestry, that's changing everything too. And, you know, really, I thought I dealt with all my issues. You know, I'm so healed and perfect. And then I met him and now I have, you know, six, five more siblings that I found and and some days I'm like, oh, my God, is this ever going to go away? Maybe this is it. Who knows? And do does, because um, I'd love to hear a little bit more detail about it. So you met your birth mum in your 20s. When I was 24, yeah. And had you sought her out? And I sought her out. Basically, I used drugs and alcohol a lot to numb myself. And then I could stay wherever I wanted <laughs> to stay, which was not actually very appropriate. But um, all that we separation, don't we don't want to do that. <laughs> all the separation anxiety left, you know, that I was self-medicating. Yeah. And um, when I got sober at 22, the first thing I said was, I need to find my mother. So you knew? I knew. And that's what I've been running from. So I went on the journey. I do not recommend what I did, which was by myself thinking I could do it. I had no support. I was going to a 12-step program, but they didn't know about this stuff. And I never read a book. Nothing. Never read one book. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, I'm going to go and meet my mother. And your adopted mum knew nothing I didn't tell this. her. You didn't tell her. Because thing. I was so scared if I tell my adopted mother. And it took me a while to figure out why was I scared to tell my adopted mother. Because I was scared that she was going to reject me and say, I'm not your mother anymore. Really? And I was 24 by that time. But I still had that feeling. So I didn't tell her for two years. So then I was living a double life. Like you have a secret lover. You know, I was driving to two families on Christmas Day having lunch and dinner. <laughs> I was very full. <laughs> I ate a lot of food. Um, and, and then I couldn't live with the secret anymore. I was still sort of perpetuating this thing of being a secret, keeping secrets. How did you tell your, your adopted mom? Not very well. I just woke up one day and I thought, I can't live like this anymore. So I phoned her and I said, I have something to tell you. And she thought I was dying, poor woman. And then I told her, because I was really emotional. And when I told her, she, you know, my mom, she just was like, oh, okay, that woman. She called her that woman. It was very hard for my mother. 
And, you know, really people only take in what they can handle. That's what somebody had told me. She'll, she'll take in what she can handle. So really I was so over-responsible for her. And um, then she didn't really talk about it. Again. Again. That until like years later. Years later we would talk about it more, you know, as I got older and she would share more of her feelings. But it took a long time. I think she needed to know I wasn't going to leave her. Yeah, of course. You know, and, and yeah. what I say to adopted parents is the crazy thing is once I had found I felt more connected to my adopted family. It was almost like, you know, I come from the closed adoption where there's no story. I had nothing. Your mother was young. That was my story. How am I supposed, you know, it's like reading a book on starting on chapter two. How am I going to move forward? And um, I've lost what I was going to say. Yeah, now. <laughs> is, is it kind of like a bit of confirmation bias? You have this adopted mother who's oh, yeah. actually perfect. You really don't have a problem with her. But just knowing and then to be able to step mm. away, meet this birth mother and go, actually, I am right. You are still perfect. You know, you yeah. are still fantastic. Well, my mum and me, you know, there there was a lot. I, fe- I really do, in hindsight, look back. It was very challenging because I was the, I was an angry little girl and sad and she did not know what to do with that i wish that she had got more support because for both of us our relationship would have been would have been easier but yeah i knew she loved me yeah. i knew that but um it would have been really useful if somebody had sat me down when i was younger and said hey this is your story we're yeah. going to tell you everything and so you would encourage you would encourage Well, now this comes the tricky part. (laughs) The tricky part of being adopted is finding my birth mother absolutely helped me understand myself and my father. But the years had gone past. I was never going to connect with her in the way I would have done, you know, if I had been raised by her. And, And that was I had to grieve that as well. There's so much grief. And she it when you reunite I didn't know this, but I I really love to share this with people. Anybody that's planning on doing it, the birth mother goes back to that trauma. She will go back to being that 16-year-old girl or 17-year-old girl. And in a way, it's like I wanted her to fix me and she wanted me to fix her, but we couldn't because I'm 24, the years have gone. So it took us a long time. And what often happens in reunions that people, again, they do, you know, you see them on TV, reunion, the end. You know, well, let me tell you what happens a year or two years down, screaming and yelling and anger, more rage coming up and so many reunions breaking down because, again, nobody sat down and said, you're being triggered by your trauma, you're being triggered by your trauma. Now we have a good relationship, but there were a couple of years we didn't speak to each other. And I acted out on that too. You know, I wanted to punish her. Uh, you know, adoptees, I think we do that. So you want to know what it feels like? Well, I'm going to show you what it feels like. And had your, how long from, from meeting her to getting onto a normal footing with her, would you say? How many years did it take? Well, it took a few years. There were a couple of years we didn't speak at all. And then we, we reconnected again. And I think as I got older, it just sort of, you know, and we began to talk more and it just got more normal. It's an, it's an abnormal thing. And I suppose having my kids, my kids have always known this grandma. And I realized as my kids got older, you know, at the beginning, I didn't want them to say anything to my mom because I was trying to protect my mom if grandma Pat gave them something and... And, you know, my husband at the time was like, Zara, you're now trying to get them to perpetuate how you've lived. So I knew, you know. That was very astute of him, really, to say yeah. that, you know, to, to have that insight. Yeah. Really. And and it helps, doesn't it, just to be told what yeah. you sometimes can't see But yourself. it's the loyalty issue. There is a loyalty issue. And I know I'm not alone with this towards adopted parents. And I think it's the survival. I think it's the little baby part saying... I have to be loyal because I will die if I'm not. I mean, it's. I wish there were another word for loyalty that was way deeper than that, but it's definitely something I know I'm not alone with. Yeah. It's huge. So I was so always, you know, worrying about this person and that person and caught in between. And, and as you get older, it's just too exhausting. So you're like, you know what? I have to let everybody, you know, they're grown-ups. They yeah. can handle it. Absolutely. And did did having your children 
change. So they're, they're milestone, big milestones in mm-hmm. your life, getting married, having children. Each child, did, did it change within having each child? Because you said you had three children. Yeah, the first child definitely... Every, I feel for him, my poor son, because everything, the pregnancy was intense. When I gave birth to him, I couldn't leave him. Talk about attachment parenting. My attachment parenting was so over the top. Um, and I knew in a way I was doing it for myself. I was aware of that too, but I also felt that's what babies needed. Babies, you know, he wasn't being stuck in another room in, in a crib. He was with me because I knew instinctively that's what a baby needed. And in time, we would make that transition. But I probably was a little bit over the top. And then when my kids got older, and Ella will probably laugh, they'd be like, well, I want to go, you know, on a sleepover. And I'd say well, are you sure you're not going to have separation anxiety? (laughs) And here's my telephone number and call me in the night. And they'd go, what is wrong with you? I just want to go away. And then one day my my youngest, you know, my little one just put her hands on her hip and went, we are not adopted. We are fine. You know, and I was like, oh, yeah, this is me now putting all my stuff onto them. They weren't me great sassy kids telling yes. you well, especially that child yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope she's not listening <laughs> and and did has your birth mom met your adopted mom ever no would is it something you want well my mother my adopted mother passed away 10 years ago oh, but four months before she died my birth mother again had always said she wanted to meet my mom and my mom would say I call Pat Pat is my birth mother and my mom's my mom you know and so I asked my mom again and she was like you know too many years have gone by there's no point and I said well can we would you speak to her on the phone so they spoke on the phone and the minute they finished the conversation, they were one. My mum phoned me, and then Pat was beeping through at the same time, and I was like, and they were, and my mum said, oh, she sounded so, um, you know, so. And I said, what? She goes, she's just like, like normal and young, and I think in her mind. You know, she also had this fantasy about who was this birth mother. She's fertile, number one, you've got to think that. And she's better than me somehow. And that's right. my mum said she's just not as educated. My mum was a bit of a snob, God bless her. But, you know, those were her fears because this woman's much younger than her as well. And you know what? I felt that was her blessing. And then like a couple of weeks later, I said to my mum, oh, I'm with Pat. And she said, oh, send her my love. That's when I knew she'd kind of accepted it. Fantastic. So that was huge. And how old do you think you were? So you said, "Oh God, this was only eleven years ago." Gosh, gosh. it took her that long. Yeah, and she knew I'd written about my experience, and she did read my first book, um, and that was huge for her. And I knew it was hard for her. So I think we did a lot of healing together as well. And becoming a mother, I understood what it was like to give you know your baby up. I mean, I could put myself more in that you know, understanding and of my mum not being able to have a baby. And maybe it's just you're maturing and you understand more. Of course. I mean, I'd say it's a combination of so, of so many mm. things. And and in just a few minutes, we'll um, we'll speak to Ella and her mum, Debbie. But just can I just ask you about mm. your father? So you said that opened up a whole new can oh of worms. God, it's a crazy I, story. I, yeah. But it should... Can I just plug that I wrote a book called Somebody's Daughter, which oh. will tell you the whole story. It came out in February in the UK. And so I if... think we fortunately got a copy to give away in a competition. So we'll be running right. that through our Facebook page. Right. Um, but it would it be spoiling the end if you tell us? Uh, well, I found <laughs> no, because I go into lots of detail in my book. But um, I basically did an ancestry DNA test because I wanted to know. I had been told I was Italian, but then I thought, well, how does she remember if I really am? And so I basically I did the test for that reason because I was told Europeans don't really do it, and um, I matched with a sister who had also been adopted and she was American. I live in New Jersey. I'd lived in LA. She lives in LA. And basically the story is that my birth father had four children with four different women. Uh, Three of us are English and three of us are American. And he is Italian. He was from Rome, of course. He's from Rome and he talks like this. And um, he went to London and he, do, you know, he did not remember my birth mother. That was really hard That's for me. Painful. It was painful to begin with. Oh, it was painful. 
Um, but yet he's very welcoming. He was shocked because my sister only showed up four years before. So his poor wife has had a little bit of a hard time. Um, but he was very welcoming because as soon as he saw me, it's obvious that we're related. Gosh. But he has guilt. I mean, there's guilt for him too. But I don't judge him. I'm like, you know what? I, can't, I kind of like that he was a bit of a start in a weird way. I mean, he's he's so likable. You can't not like him because he's so emotional. And, well, he's- and I understood myself meeting him. I was like, this is the piece. Even my younger daughter, she said, you're so much like him. But that's fantastic, yeah. isn't it? Sarah? And I have two brothers in England. One of them's an artist. One of his brothers was an actor and I've done acting and, all, and I suddenly was like, oh my God, this is... Completed This you. makes sense. God. It's still a challenge because his, you know, I don't see him as much. As, oh, the end of the story is he lives in New Jersey, 40 minutes from my house. That is too um, crazy for words. And I have been driving down to his town in all the years I lived in New Jersey. I'd lived in LA, he'd lived in Las Vegas. Basically, we had followed each other. And But it's still, you know, I want to see him more. And I think, you know, as is common to his wife is setting the parameters. Yeah. And that's hard for me. I have to be patient. But as people have said to me, I've known all my life I've been looking. He just found out. Yeah. They, and my sister just showed up. You know, they need to sit down, yeah. have a cup of tea and go, oh, my God. And she's worried there could be more. You know. Gosh. That's a story. It's You're a story. right. I don't think you prepared us enough for that one. No, sorry. <laughs> but it's quite exciting. It is very <laughs> exciting. But how? But I have da- days, emotional day, grief days. Still, I have to be honest with you. You know, it's not all. I hit the wall again with this one. Yeah. And it's important people know that with reunion, there are days when I was like, I can't get out of bed. It's too much. And I think that is really important to hear that and, you know, for other people to understand that it doesn't have to be it or it isn't naturally this joyous occasion where everybody's happy and happy ever after. No, it's complicated. There's layers. But, you know, adoption support groups I go to, um, adoption conferences, I read about it. I have a lot of support in that community. And I think that that is the gift to it all is we don't have to do this alone. When I found my birth mother, I did it alone with him and what's funny with the group I went to I was like I don't need to come any you know I thought I don't really need to go anymore but I love the people I'll just show up and then when I found him I'm like I need the group I need to come back you know it's a light again the lifelong impact wow that's amazing that's amazing please don't move a millimeter Zara (laughs) we want to come back to you we're just going to take a really really quick break and then we're going to ask um, Debbie uh, Debbie and uh, Ella about their experience the Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve Solicitors, your complete legal solution. The radio station for Frogmore, Conley Heath and St Albans. 92.6 FM, Radio Verulam. A very warm welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. Tonight's show is about adoption and we've had some fantastic advice and information and stories from Zara Phillips who's been telling us about her experience. And now we'd like um, to talk to Ella and Debbie who are in the studio with us. Hi Ella, hiya Debbie. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's very nice to have you both here in the studio with us this evening. So you've you've heard everything that that uh, Zara was saying. Can I ask you, Ella, has your adoption affected you in a positive way? Um, yeah, I suppose in a way it gave me another shot, um, a better life, I, I could say. Um, it gave me a good education, you know, I'm, I'm well off, so <laughs> um, it made me meet new people. Um, so I think that it has obviously given me very good things in life but as well as that um there are obviously some negative impacts and do you do you want to tell us about how it's impacted on you negatively um so um i actually have depression and a a big part of that was my adoption and i didn't realize that until maybe this year um so 
I think for a long time I've been just kind of worried wondering why I felt like that and a lot of the doctors and the people I spoke to they they kind of didn't know I think they just thought it was a regular teen has depression and stuff so they never talked to me about oh it could be your adoption that's affecting you they always just assumed it would be oh like your hormones you're changing and stuff you're developing so like you'll eventually get better um so I'm still dealing with that at the moment. Um, it also made me very stressful. Um, and I think Zara was saying about um, how she had a lot of anger when she was younger, and I have a lot of anger, I would say, too. But um, I don't really take it out on my family. I take it more out on myself because I think I no one can really understand why they were adopted or given up or why how their parents could do that to them so for me i just i immediately assumed it would it was because i did something wrong or because i wasn't perfect or i don't know because i had nothing so for a long time i've been trying to almost prove my birth parents wrong even though they they don't even know where i am or they don't know what i'm doing i always wanted to be the best student i wanted to get the best grades and i'd worked so hard that I had no social life and it was unhealthy for me, the amount of work I was doing and I I had this image of a perfect person so I stopped eating because I couldn't, I didn't think I was pretty enough. I thought, oh, they wouldn't have kept me because I wasn't pretty, like they want me to be perfect, I need to be skinny, I need to have nice cheekbones, I need to look like a model. And, the way I coped with that and controlled my feelings was by not eating because that's what they wanted me to do. Um, I also um, had attachment issues, so I think a lot of adop adopted children do suffer from um, like separation anxiety. Um, and when I was younger, I couldn't go to school without crying. Like my mum would try and say goodbye, but I was so worried that she wouldn't ever come back for me again that I, I couldn't go into school anymore. So um, I actually did have like a teacher who would talk to me in the mornings, make sure I was okay, and she would take me out of the lesson five minutes. And we just talk about the day, and I knew my timetable because I like to have a structured day, and I like to know what's happening because it just makes me feel more calm. Um, as well as that, it gave me a very low self-esteem because going back to I'm not worthy enough, it made me feel like if they didn't want me, who would want me? Why should I Why should I be alive anymore? Because if my birth parents couldn't even keep me, then how can I love myself? Um, so I'm, I was never very confident when I was younger. Um, I never, like in class, I'd never put my hand up. I never do now. <laughs> um, I just, I don't believe in myself. <laughs> that sounds horrible, but... Um, I never believed that I could do anything because, you know, my birth parents didn't want me. And it, I'm struggling to imagine how you, you, this is this beautiful, articulate, <laughs> clever young woman in front of me. You're so able to talk about your feelings and I bet your mom is so <laughs> proud of you for being, yeah, Too so, right, yeah. so articulate and, yeah. and strong and for <laughs> being so strong, you know, and, um, after being through so so much yeah really and who who helped you deal with your feelings um so there were multiple doctor's appointments but they didn't really help me that much um i have seen lots of specialists to do with obviously mental health um but i never really found anyone who really helped me i tried counseling but that didn't work out for me um but then my mum went to, I think, a course for anxiety, like for parents with children who had anxiety. And the coach, um, the lady, was talking about doing private um, sort of, you know, sessions. Yeah. Um, so uh, my mum spoke to her, um, that's Sharon Norton. <laughs> um, and I've been doing it with her for about two years now. Um, yeah, and yeah, I 
I love her. She's so good. Oh, that's I'm so pleased to hear. So yeah. it was finding the right person yeah, to help yeah. you deal with your feelings. Yeah. And is she helping you understand what role adoption has had to play in that? Um, well, with her at the beginning, we just talked about my anxiety more and how to deal with that. Um, and we have had a few times that we've spoken about adoption, but um, we realised that she wasn't the person I should be speaking to about adoption because it's such a hard thing to understand that you really need someone who's actually specialised in it because I think people, obviously people find it very hard to understand the emotions um, you get with it. So I'm actually starting a new therapy with um, a lady who's like trained in adoption, but I am carrying on with Sharon, yeah. Excellent. And, and do you find that you're, you're able to control your anxiety? Um, I'm a lot better with it now, um, but I still obviously have days where I find it very hard to get into school and, yeah, a lot of, like, I can't do public speaking. I mean, I can, but... <laughs> <laughs> you're doing, doing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, like, at school, if you have to get up and like say something I can't do that I find that so difficult well I don't think you're on your own in, in yeah, that yeah. respect I think um, I think it's it's, yeah. it's a tricky thing to do for for everybody isn't yeah. it but you're doing a fabulous job now, <laughs> I can tell you and what do you think do you think adoption should be studied to you know would you describe what you've been through as post-traumatic stress um, or how do they describe what what adoption is in terms of an impact on a child? No, I definitely would think it is a, like post-traumatic stress disorder because um, as Zara said, from a very young age you remember everything and it might not seem like that but the first few months or even year um, with your mother is very important, you know. You need that physical attention, you need to make a very good connection with someone to be able to trust them and um, for me I was given up I think four days after I was born so I would have had those four days to make that connection with her then being like left on my own on the street and then taken in being with a lot of other people just transferring me and looking at me and stuff um, and then for nine months I was at a children's home and I had one nanny who looked after me and like four other babies. So I made a very good connection with her. And then my um, parents adopted me. So then I'm very grateful for that. But <laughs> I suppose I was kind of ripped away from another person that I just made a connection with who was there for me from basically the very beginning. So I guess that was very hard because I had to make another relationship and it was like I didn't really see her again, you know, and um, I think being with strangers, that was obviously very hard and, you know, it is, it's just very hard to make so many different connections within a year of your childhood. And how do you feel towards your birth parents? Um, I, I love hate relationship, you know, um, I love them because obviously they gave me life and I don't know, they gave me all my traits and characteristics, well not all of them, but um, yeah, I do love them, but I would say there's more hatred towards them because, I don't know, I think it's hard because I don't understand how they could give up a baby that young and that if I was, like, because I was theirs and they just, for me, it just feels like they just chucked me on the street, they didn't think about it, they're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't want her anymore. So... I think that's the hardest part to understand and I'll probably never understand because I'll probably never meet them but um, I think I'm learning about how to handle those emotions and I'm trying to realise that it probably wasn't because I looked bad or... <laughs> Great, <laughs> or, I'm so yeah. relieved you're saying that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I think a relationship with my birth parents would be very difficult. Yeah, they would have, they'd have to do a lot of convincing, wouldn't they, really? Yeah. But, and, and what do you feel about, what would you say to other adoptees out there who are listening to you? What do you think they should do about feelings, experiences? Um, 
It's obviously a very, very hard thing. It's very difficult to understand. No one can ever understand it. Um, but I think one thing for me was I always felt alone. I still do now, even though I have like my mom, my whole family are really supportive, my best friend, my coach. Um, I know everyone around me is supportive of me, but I think because none of them are adopted, it's hard to believe they actually understand. And sometimes it's hard to realize that they actually care about me because again, if my parents left me, how can anyone else actually care about me? So I think for them, I think they just need to talk about it because if you keep it in for a long time, it's going to build up all those emotions, um, all those feelings are going to build up and it's going to put a lot of stress um, on you and I think that will just lead to one day just a big explosion of everything that you've not spoken about um, before. So it's, it's, it's definitely good to talk. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Debbie, you're sitting there. Can we bring you in on the conversation? I'm speechless after that. I know, I know. And, and I can see the pride in your eyes. I really can. So well, what do you think about the pre-adoption process? Did it prepare you sufficiently? Oh, that's a really, really good question. The, the pre-adoption process has changed so massively from the time when Zara's um, parents would have adopted her, when in the 60s, I think you said Zara... It was, mm -hmm. you know, oh, take the baby home and just pretend they're theirs, yours and get on with it. Mm -hmm. And things have changed massively. So we went through um, a home study process with the local authority, which was 11 meetings of at least an hour each where we were interviewed, my husband and I, um, and our uh, daughter, we've got an older daughter, um, interviewed separately, interviewed together, friends interviewed. So there's a really thorough process in making sure we're suitable to adopt. And also the other way around is, you know, we're given a lot of books to read. Well, not given them, to buy them. Um, <laughs> and um, we also went on courses. And um, I've just continued to go on courses, read books, go see people speak like Zara. I've seen Zara speak twice before. And um, I think it's, um, it's lifelong learning as an adoptive parent because every every life stage that Ella's gone through, we've had to get the books out again and brush up on it. And, you know, what I'd say to adoptive parents is, you know, if whenever you get to the point where I feel out of my depth, that contact the professionals, because you might not get the right people first time, but if you keep plugging away and say that this isn't right for my daughter, we need something else, then you'll get there in the end. That's very reassuring, I'm sure, for parents who are out there. And you're, you're all saying that. You're all saying, look for help, look for support yeah. from fellow adoptees, from, from healthcare professionals, whoever, whoever can help you get through it. Yeah. And what tips would you give to parents who are listening tonight um, about adopting? I think one of the first thing, the first course that my husband and I went, my husband and I went on, the, um, the coach there said... Um, if you think about adopting, love is not enough. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I really thought that would be. <laughs> and, you know, it goes a long way to help because it gives you the strength that you need to get through the difficult times. But what they were saying is, you know, you've got to get, you've got to get some kind of understanding about how complex this is. And you can't parent adopted children the same way you would parent a birth child. Because, you know, if, you, if, if um, an adopted child is naughty and you go put them on the naughty step, you're rejecting them again. You, you're, you're sending them out of the room and putting them on a, the bottom stair. They're just being rejected again. So it's just increasing their feeling of, of rejection. So it's always pulling the child tighter, yeah. closer. So it's, it's uh, more about time in rather than time out. So it's sitting beside them and saying, you know, this is what happened and what could you have done differently or... Um, so there is, there is just so much to learn, basically. Um, I would think other advice is always keep the topic of adoption open. We've, t we've talked about adoption mm. all your life, haven't we, Ella? Yeah, yeah. So Ella knew she was adopted before she knew what that meant. Yeah. And so it's all age appropriate. We've, there's some fantastic books around now for kids. And you can just flick through. 
Um, so we've made some storybooks for Ella about the early start in her life and the bits that we do know. And we've just talked through the pictures and then we've start, started to build the story up a little bit. Um, we are now in touch with the nanny that did look after Ella. I was mm, going to ask lovely. that next. How fabulous. Yeah. So you've, have you met her again? Um, yeah, we've met her twice, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So that helps to give some yes. sense mm, of yeah. your start in life, doesn't it? A little it? piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think on um, courses, join support groups. Zara, you mentioned support groups, mm -hmm. and we're in support groups as well for families who are adopted. So um, Ella knows other children in the same sort of situation, so she can compare notes. I've tried to build lots of friendships there for her. And, um, you know, sometimes she'll say, oh... Just because we're adopted doesn't mean we're going to be best friends, you know. <laughs> so, you know, all you can do is try your best. And, yeah. you know, some friendships grow, don't they? Yeah. And some don't. <clears throat> um, Fantastic. Yeah. So, so helpful. And, and it makes complete sense what you're saying, Debbie. And it must be hard to be so invested and 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 to love somebody so hard and yet have to be quite rational about it because you know that there's a much bigger picture yeah. there that you you can't control and you can't influence no you can't it's it's definitely something that ella has to work through herself and all i can do is just walk along beside her really yeah. it sounds a bit cheesy doesn't it <laughs> hold her hand yeah it is really and just help her and just you know you know she's asked a lot about her birth family and um, you know, there's, things are changing, DNA testing mm -hmm, and things. Absolutely. So, you know, we've got Ella's DNA done and, mm -hmm. you know, things have changed so much in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Who knows what will happen exactly. in the next 10 years? Exactly. We just don't know. Yeah. All we can do is do our best. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. And it sounds, it sounds like you certainly are, Debbie. Can, and can I ask you, what, what have you, where, where are you now? What, what, have, what have you got from the whole experience? Well... You've just heard her. A beautiful, eloquent... Isn't she amazing? Yes, yeah, she mm -hmm. is. Absolutely. She's incredible. She is. She's, she's, going me, to... <laughs> she's actually, when you were speaking, Ella, I was thinking, I'm going to have to hold it together here. <laughs> she's, she's just going to do amazing things. Yeah. Because I think the low, low self-esteem that she's experienced through the loss of her birth family, in parallel with that, there's another stream that runs through Ella, and that is tenacity Great. and survival instinct. And um, she won't let this beat her. Mm -hmm. And she's, when she starts to suffer from anxiety and then it tipped into depression, you know, and we started, to, we, you know, we finally worked out what it was and people started to help her. And, you know, she was just so cross. Why? Why didn't I know this? Why didn't people see this? Mm -hmm. Why don't people talk about mm -hmm. this? And so that's why she wants to go out and, you know, talk to people and raise awareness and try and make the, yeah. the topic so open more open and help everybody help other people benefit from it Zara yeah. I'm I, dying to hear oh well Ella I have to tell you you described exactly how I felt when I was <laughs> younger and you know you just took me way back it's almost like now that I'm older and I've done a lot of healing around it sometimes I can forget where I came from yeah and that feeling that you talked about of how you looked I used to think I was so ugly like in my <laughs> I, I used to tell people I was such an ugly I'm so ugly when I was a kid no no one can see pictures of me because I was so ugly yeah. and I think it was more that I felt ugly and I absolutely would look at myself and think well I must be ugly because why would my why wouldn't she have kept me yeah. like I, I really identified with that and self no self-esteem at all none yeah. it crippled me actually and over the years the more um you know the positive thing is is the more work that we do around this stuff it starts building that self-esteem yeah but my goodness she took me back i thought i'm going to start sobbing in a minute <laughs> because i remember how i felt all the time so you're not alone with that and you know also that thing of feeling like we're alone but actually what I love is being around other adoptees, no matter yeah. how old, because I think we know what it feels like. It's yeah. almost like an unspoken thing yeah. that we know what it feels like. So, um, yeah, wow, that was powerful. And <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it phenomenal that, I mean, there's, 
there's a bit of an age gap between the two of Huge you. Huge age gap. <laughs> I could be her grandma. <laughs> <laughs> but that you can identify yes. so Oh, absolutely. So and that's the thing that when Debbie was saying, so mm. much has changed. But you know what? So much has changed, but you know what hasn't changed is the way adoptees feel. Yeah. We all feel the same. And another thing I always want to mention is whether you were adopted at a day old you know, you were saying before about, well, if it's a day old, that would be different, or a year old, or five years old. We were all relinquished by our mothers, and that is the piece that we are struggling with. Our mothers walked away from us, and, you know, I identified again, there will always be a part of me, like the adult part of me will say she was 16, she was unmarried, she got no support, but the other part, the baby part of me, will never understand how she could have left me like yeah. that and that's been the battle within me all the time but but that's really important to remember we are all struggling with being relinquished and does it get easier Zara with time I mean if you imagine the pain now absolutely and the pain I mean I lead a really productive life I have a lot of joy in my life um, I understand when I'm having those sad days which still do come I have to be honest with you, it, losing parents, um, finding parents, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like I mean, it's like really chaotic. It's, it can be extremely joyful, but I can still be hit with that. But the difference is I know what it is today. And I don't have to use drugs mm. and I don't have to use alcohol or cigarettes or, you know, all the stuff I used to. I can actually say to myself, you know what, maybe I need a day off. I couldn't go into school, the anxiety. I mean, everything you said, I was like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> but I suppose the difference is Ella's got all that support. And if you had had yes. that support at her at the point at which Ella's got the support. It. And like her mum said, which I absolutely love, love is not enough. And that is so painful for adopted parents to hear love and I say that all the time, love helps. We all need to be loved as human beings, but it will never fix that void, that wound that happened yeah. to us. But we have to make sense of it ourselves. And I absolutely, and I think, you know, doing this work always makes me feel better. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and you learn to live with it. It's like grief will always be with me, but I, l I live alongside it and I embrace it more. Instead of like fighting against it, I go, you know what? It's sort of part of me and Fantastic. I can live we, with that. We have unfortunately run out of time, I'm, I'm very sad to say. <laughs> but Zara, Ella, Debbie, thank you thank so you. much thank you. for joining us on The Parent Show. There's going to be so many parents who are going to benefit massively and young adoptees, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Older adoptees as well. Sorry, Zara. <laughs> I, I'm OK with that. And, <laughs> and I just have to make one announcement about our winners for last week's competition. We'll be playing a video to, to um, prove that we did it very ethically. So Natalie Johnson and Caroline Gray, congratulations. You've both won family tickets to Kidzania and we'll be getting in touch to pass on the tickets. Thank you very much. I'm so sorry I didn't get back to um, Debbie to talk about the um, mental health conference but we'll be doing a couple of shows about that and all the links to buy the tickets will be on the Parents Book Facebook page in just a few minutes. All the best, goodbye. Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk Neves solicitors, your complete legal solution.